Alrighty, hello everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio today, I have Carl Yucatel and Matthew Cresswell from Docks and Harbors. How you both doing? Doing great, Jordan. Thanks for having us. Good, Jordan. Thanks. And, you know, it's always fun chatting with you guys, especially as I'm someone who wants to have a boat one of these days, but I'm also still a broke uh, post-college grad, so that's not quite on the horizon yet, but it's, it's a long-term goal. It's a long-term goal. <laughs> now, I do have a couple of big topics I want to hit with you both, but the first one I want to hit, just because it was a very fun thing that I got to at least read about, because I didn't get to see any of it go down, is the Secretary of Transportation was in town, at least for a little bit. Yeah, Jordan. So um, I was I was fortunate to have the, an invitation to meet uh, uh, with uh, Secretary Buttigieg, his staff, along with uh, Mayor Weldon, uh, City Manager Rory Watt, uh, Public Works Director Katie Kester, and the Airport Manager and others. Um, he was passing through uh, the airport, and so um, we had the opportunity to to brief him on um, on appropriate infrastructure type projects, and I was. Uh, um, deliberate in making sure that he knew that we have an application in uh, that's being reviewed by his staff right now. So we have a Merit- MERAD, which is Maritime Administration uh, Port Infrastructure Development Grant for new drive-down dock at the Aurora Harbor. And so it's an $11 million project, and um, we're going to commit $500,000 of local money but it's, uh, it's a good project, and uh, I made sure that uh, Secretary Buttigieg remembers that he was in Juno and Juno had a project so that's that's the best I could best I could do definitely I was gonna say he did get the true uh, southeast experience when he couldn't fly to Haynes and then had to take the ferry and then not even that long after he left then the ferry broke down. <laughs> right so he was, I, th- I think he was supposed to take the ferry back and then they had to pivot again and get a, a flight out so yeah good 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 Alaska experience for the, the secretary and his staff Exactly. He can have the true context. You know the real. He knows the real Southeast traveling experience. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been my way of looking at it. Now, the other thing that happened recently, or recently enough, I want to check in with you both with, was obviously we had the 77th annual Golden North Salmon Derby weekend. And I think that went pretty well, at least from our end. But how'd it go for you guys? Yeah, Jordan, it, you know, from our end, the Salmon Derby went fantastic. There was, uh, you know, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. The weather on Friday was fairly favorable for uh, fishing. Saturday was a rough day, um, lots of wind and rain, and uh, it seemed from our viewpoint that participation was down a little bit on Saturday, but it rebounded on Sunday. And uh, what I heard was that more fish were caught than last year. Um, so that that's a good thing, but uh, thanks for ran smoothly in the harbors people were able to get in and out this was the second year that territorial sportsman has moved the uh alk bay weigh-in station over to what they call alk new cove what we call the alk bay loading facility um works well decreases congestion in the in in statter harbor and uh my guess is they're going to want to keep doing that that seemed to work very well we uh last year we had a some problems with vehicles going into the water off the end of the launch ramp at North Douglas and many other things. We didn't have any of those issues this year. So from our standpoint, it was a quiet salmon derby, but it was followed up immediately by the uh, Section 11A King Crab opener, which dwarfed salmon derby and uh, (laughs) congestion and uh, chaos in the harbor. So we got through that. That was a very nice thing with uh, a seven-day opening, and we uh, did some modifications of – Turning our launch ramps into launch on one side, retrieve on the other, and that seemed to alleviate a lot of the frustrations and problems over at the launch ramp. And uh, at the same time, during all that, we asked the public to complete a launch ramp survey. 
and uh we had qr codes up and web links for that and had it out on facebook as well and uh we got got really good participation out of that so we got some really good feedback from our our users for our launch ramps and, and part of that as well, Jordan, is, uh, and I got to give kudos to, to Matt uh, for putting it out, the, the survey, Survey Monkey. But we also to encourage participation. And we got uh, 243 uh, comments on uh, launch ramp fac- um, facilities. Very good, insightful uh, comments. And um, we also offered two free launch ramp permits. So we were able to um, random, randomly select Kevin Meyer and Forrest. Bowers. Bowers. Forrest Bowers were the two lucky winners that uh, because they participated in the uh, um, survey. Gotcha. Now that, I'm trying if that's the Kevin I know or not. I know many. <laughs> it seems familiar. I'll, have to, I'll double check that later on my own time. Okay. And now I think, you know, that's, hearing that there was a good turnout and that while it was quiet, it was still pretty eventful. I think it's pretty good to hear. And then obviously I imagine, you know, with the crab fishery open up, that's going to, I imagine that would pack it up pretty good i did also want to joke i mean if someone went off the dock they're just more they're just more willing to go fishing they'll take any vehicle they can (laughs) that's the mindset i think for that now the next thing i want to talk to you about which is ties into tonight's meeting that you guys have is i see that you're talking about the dock electrification so where would you like to start kind of breaking that down for me yeah so uh jordan i think most people in in juno know that we've been pursuing dock electrification. It's been a priority of the assembly for many years. We're continuing to pursuing um, a, uh, a solution. Um, we, we, at some point, we'd like to see all the cruise ship docks in Juneau, both uh, uh, the private and the, presumably the soon-to-be-built Huna Totem dock, but right now we only have the Franklin dock that is electrified. And so... Uh, my department has been working deliberately with uh, AOMP to figure out the next steps. And so we've, uh, we've been interviewing various ports around the country. We've been interviewing uh, different companies that uh, provide the, uh, the, the various equipment. Um, it, it seems like on the surface that it's just plugging it in, plugging in ships, and it shouldn't be that hard. You know, we've got uh, hundreds of slips that you plug in small, uh, small craft all the time. It's uh, cruise ships are a bigger toaster, and uh, in talking with um, uh, the folks, the experts in the field, um, it's becoming more and more apparent that uh, this this will be the most difficult dock electrification project that uh, any of the the companies have worked on for a variety of reasons. We have. Uh, First of all, the transmission voltage that we are dealing with is 69 kV. Um, most other ports are working with a, um, a medium v- voltage. And then we also are uh, unfortunately hampered with uh, um, the, the lines coming on a steep incline of a mountain and then to bring uh, the, the power from the mountain uh, under un, under um, Franklin Street to a dock that we have a floating dock with no uh, virtually no uplands to work with. These are all 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 can be overcome, but these are all challenging aspects that uh, AOMP and my team is working on with uh, with experts around the country to, to to solve. So we had a study that was done by a local uh, electrical engineer, Ben Haight. Um, that was finished a year ago, August of 2022, and uh, we're taking the results of that and moving forward with uh, uh, next steps. Okay. 
And I imagine that, like you said, it's been a discussion for quite some time, so hopefully that can progress from my understanding of that situation. Now, the last quick thing I want to talk about with tonight's meeting is this discussion around breakwater reuse. Hey, Jordan. Yeah, so uh, the down in Ketchikan, there was 160-foot, 180-foot floating breakwater that was uh, used by the Coast Guard to protect their facilities down there. That, uh, that breakwater has since become excess to the needs of the Coast Guard. A local contractor here has received that breakwater. And there's potential or opportunity for us to uh, purchase and reuse that breakwater. We've got several ideas of, of how that could be used. Uh, one of the ideas being floated around is using it as a breakwater over near the Alt Bay Commercial Loading Facility, which we talked about just a bit ago for Salmon Derby. The, uh, the bay side of that... Uh, drive commercial drive down float gets really hit with with winds and waves on rough days and uh we feel that maybe that would be a good spot for it um we have other things we can explore too that potentially would be good use for it and we'd also like to have it for our commercial fishermen to use as a net repair facility as well that's uh, one of the areas that we're lacking in supporting our commercial fishing fleet and we recognize that and we want to do whatever we can to, to help facilitate them in their business and just one of the the many uses we're looking at for it so we're we're optimistic that it may work out for us and and be a good fit in our operations gotcha and i mean ultimately if we can reuse anything i think that's always a plus because then it continues to get some life out of it and you don't have to worry about buying something entirely new kind of just while it may not be the most effective plan maybe in the long run it will be helpful in the short term now we are going to move into our break when we come back i'll ask you a bit more about this uas property lease as well as re-bringing up that discussion about the harbor rate increase you are listening to action line on kiny and we're back with more action line on kiny joining me still i have carl you and matthew cresswell from depart from docks and harbors i don't know why we want to stay with department that wasn't really necessary but now that we've kind of talked about a couple of of think topics I want to hit. The next one I want to hit with you is this discussion about the UAS property lease and some of the negotiation that happened there. Yeah, so uh, thanks for the question, Jordan. So uh, your listeners might remember that uh, we had about a three-year negotiation uh, process with the University of Alaska lands, actually, um, for the UAS property in between Aurora and Harris Harbor. And uh, we had this sweetheart deal with the university uh, since uh, 1988, where we paid less than fair market value for the property, about $12,000. And then when it came, when that uh, uh, lease term um, expired, we had the option to renew it, but at fair market value, which was $230,000. So uh, the university was was um, willing to negotiate something less than that for an educational benefit. So the educational benefit that we've provided um, from the city is um, for university students um, free access to the pools, free ac- access to Treadwell uh, Arena, free access to um, uh, the Field House, um, discounts at Eagle Crest. And then for docks and harbors, we're agreeing to do some snow removal for them, as well as entering into agreements for internships, paid internships with university students that are pursuing a maritime um, uh, profession. So right now, the university, I believe, is why not believe? I know that they're working to 
um, determine who those candidates will be. And once th th those uh, candidates are identified, they'll come and they'll work for uh, Docks and Harbors, either my office or Matt's, Matt's um, office, and uh, we'll try to provide as much um, care and feeding that we can to encourage uh, a career in the, in, in the maritime. Gotcha. Well, now I have to ask, where was this when I was a student? Because now I feel, feel a, bit, a bit robbed there. I wish I had that when I was a student, but I digress. It's fine. But no, I think that's a very interesting and pretty solid opportunity that you could have the students come in there and get more hands-on experience with the, you know, a field they want to go into. Obviously, like you said, they're still going to have to determine the candidates that would be doing that. But I think that is a pretty interesting way of negotiating that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's opportunities for whatever, whoever comes that has an interest, whether it's in social media or marketing or um, just uh, mechanics or maintenance. We can find uh, we have a we do a broad range of uh, we have a broad range of responsibilities, and certainly anybody that uh, is identified from uh, UAS will certainly put them to good work. No, definitely. And I'm glad to hear you mentioning it in the sort of the maintenance aspect. Because I remember when I was a student there, you know, a lot of the students that were doing the trade classes, it almost felt like there was a disconnect between what they were doing and what everyone else was doing. Because the trades classes are all, you know, already kind of in downtown, more around kind of more of the docks and harbors kind of area. So giving them something that is more dedicated toward them, I think, is a very good opportunity. Now, the next thing I wanted to hit with you, and this ties in well with something we've talked about before, is there is still that discussion around the 9% rate increase. And I understand that that sort of requisite public notice period is going to start soon. Yeah, so um, the Docs Harper's Board has been working, has discussed, has discussed inc increasing rates in the harbors and in the port uh, for, I'll go say, several years now. And right now we're at a point where we expect the board to, not to tonight um, make a motion uh, to direct staff to start the public notice period to hold a hearing raising rates 9% effective January 2024. So tonight, um, as, is, as is the case for any uh, either Docks and Harbors regular board or Docks and Harbors operations planning committee, um, certainly the public is invited to participate and provide input. But uh, we anticipate the board will um, direct staff to say, make the proper notices to increase the, the fees 9%. And we expect that date to be October 4th um, for a public hearing. So um, that will be the date certain where, again, people can communicate 365 days a year t with, the, with the board. But that will be the designated public hearing for the board to say this is what we intend to do and after that public hearing that will be moved to the um, assembly and the assembly at a future um, assembly meeting will accept or reject those recommendations. Gotcha. And then maybe just for some folks that maybe listen that haven't heard us to have this conversation before, just maybe remind me again where the, that 9% rate increase is coming from. So we had a study that was done by a company called HDR Alaska. They're an international engineering firm. Um, they had economists that came in, and uh, they, that was their recommendation to raise, raise 9%. And um, really, uh, I guess the biggest... Uh, argument for the rate increase is um, Docks and Harbors manages collectively the two uh, enterprises manages a quarter billion dollars in in assets and um, our our fund balance that is the money that we hold back 
um, for future projects or in case of emergencies um, is less than $2 million in each of the um, two enterprises. So I, we mentioned, you know, just today the, uh, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to buy a, um, a, a breakwater for use for the commercial fishermen. And we mentioned that we have a extra $100,000 expense starting this year because of the negotiations with um, the university. And we're also going to have more um, expenses because we're going to be hiring some university students. We're also in the process of building uh, a security gate at uh, Harris Harbor. We're bringing um, security lights to um, to Douglas Harbor. So all these things cost money. And uh, so we think that uh, we've done our due diligence in trying to make available information that uh, justifies the need to raise rates 9%. Gotcha. And then with that public comment period, people can express their thoughts on that and then put their input in there. So that if you have thoughts on that, definitely make sure you take the time to really express your comment when that becomes available. Now, one other thing I want to hit before we hit kind of a, I would guess, a more calm topic. I mean, these are all not all super serious topics, but I also see we had U.S. Army divers recently. Do you want to talk on that a bit? Yeah, Jordan. So this year, as in the past, I think this was probably the fifth or sixth year minus the uh, 2020 COVID year. Um, in August each year, the Coast Guard hosts the buoy tender roundup down at the Coast Guard station and buoy tender vessels from all over Pacific Northwest and usually a couple Canadian buoy tenders. Um, they didn't come this year, but six to eight uh, vessels show up and it's a great training opportunity for the Coast Guard to get all the like ships together and, and knock out lots of training and they have a buoy tender Olympics and all kinds of things like that. But as part of that, the uh, Army and Coast Guard both send dive teams up to Juneau um, the Army dive teams come out of Fort Eustis, Virginia. Coast Guard dive team comes out, I believe, what they call Dive Locker West down in San Diego, I think. They come up and they do hull inspections and other things for the Coast Guard buoy tenders. But the a primary reason for them coming up is to get cold water, cold water diving time. And uh, as part of that, they're looking for things to do to dive on while they're here and we have had a very successful partnership with with both the army and coast guard dive teams over the last five or six years and we provide them with projects within the harbors and port and as well as the the surrounding areas uh that benefit both them and us they uh do underwater inspections for us water line repairs uh just a multitude of things and therefore they get their diving time and docks and harbors gets the benefit of of having those dive teams come in and look at our facilities real closely for us with things that we normally don't get to do um so we're we're always looking forward to them coming each year is always in august and we start planning for this usually they reach out to us in about january and say they're coming and we start uh gathering up tasks that we're going to need them to do we support them with a vessel and a vehicle and uh this year was a great success they dove i think they had 12 dive days with us and that was very helpful for us and we look forward to their return next year gotcha and well it's always nice to get a good trade off with those kinds of things they get their dive time you get some assistance checking out some stuff so i'm always a fan of something like that now the last thing i wanted to hit before we wrap up the show is obviously i believe starting tomorrow the winter mortgage assignment stuff starts tomorrow yeah jordan so uh we're believe it or not we're at labor day weekend starting tomorrow it's 
crazy and hard to believe, but here we are. And uh, as part of us changing from summer operations to fall slash winter operations, we open up what we call our winter hot berth list. It's winter stall assignments. Uh, we have folks that would prefer to be in a different place, different harbor during the winter. Um, you know, maybe they want to move from Douglas Harbor to Oak Bay or, you know, Harris to Aurora. So beginning on September 1st at 8 a.m., we open sign up for that list where, you know, lots of people pull their boats for the winter. So that leaves us with open stalls. Um, so anybody that's interested in, in having a different winter hot berth assignment is, can email harbormaster at juno.gov starting tomorrow at 8 a.m. Or show up to either the Aurora or Statter Harbor office at 8 a.m. to sign up in person for that list. And we go down that list and we assign based priority based on, you know, uh, who signed up first, length of vessel, request of where they want to go. We've, we've been very successful over the last several years by accommodating. I, I don't know of anybody we haven't accommodated yet. So we, we ask people to get in there on the first and sign up early. And uh, we will do our absolute best to get you in your desired location for the winter. So we're looking forward to tomorrow morning. It's always the the signal that the seasons are changing when uh, folks are lined up out the door on September 1st to sign up for winter hot births. So here we go. Gotcha. And I think even on that note, I also know that the seasonal workforce will be leaving here within the next month or two as well. Yeah, Jordan, we, we have a very large seasonal workforce. I, I hesitate to say the exact number, but it's it's over 30 um, seasonal employees. And we have already started losing some of our seasonal employees due to going back to school and, and things like that. Uh, cruise ship season runs a lot longer than it used to, so a lot of our port employees stay a little bit longer than they previously had. Um, we have cruise ships into late October this year. But between really about the 15th of September, the, the schedule starts kind of winding down and folks start going home for the winter, or going back to school or doing whatever they, they do for their winter. And we will be saying goodbye to our seasonal employees over the next couple months. And uh, it's always sad to see them leave. And we always get really excited and long about February, we start talking about bringing everybody back. So we, we have a couple couple months of not so busy times. We're busy on our end doing admin stuff and planning and projects. But uh, as soon as we start talking about hiring and bringing seasonals back, we know we're getting ready to fire up in the spring. So uh, we greatly appreciate our seasonal workforce. They're, they're what makes the thing go. So uh, we hate to see them leave, but we love to see them come back in the spring. Gotcha. I think on that, we'll call it a wrap there. Thank you both for coming in and chatting with me today. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. All righty. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.